Last week, we celebrated Palm Sunday, and as Matt walked us through what we call Holy Week, he talked about that meal, the Last Supper, how Jesus used that time to plumb the depths of Peter's heart. He cut through all the bluster of his, I'll never deny you, I'll never desert you, you'll never wash my feet. But in spite of how much Peter messes up, Jesus never gives up on him. That's so helpful to me. Even our best efforts always fall short, even on Easter. So today, on this side of the resurrection, let's see what Peter has learned at a very different meal. You know, in some ways, what we call the Last Supper really was not the last meal that Jesus was going to have with his friends. We started this series talking about how there are four different stories of Jesus, all describing the same events, but each of the gospel writers gives a a slightly different take on those events. The birth, the death, the resurrection. It's It's like there's an intersection with a car crash in the middle that gets seen from all four different corners. So in the Gospel of Matthew, there's an earthquake after the resurrection as an angel rolls away the stone of Jesus' tomb. And he says to the women who've come there, go and tell the disciples to meet Jesus in the Galilee. In the story of Mark, the same angel sends the women away with the same message to meet Jesus up in the Galilee. But only in Mark's story, the women are so afraid, they don't tell anybody anything. Luke tells the story of the disciples who walk with the risen Jesus on the road to Emmaus, finally recognizing him as soon as they get back to Jerusalem to tell the others Jesus appears in their midst and asks for something to eat to prove that he's not a ghost. John's story ends by talking about how Jesus appears to the disciples while doubting Thomas is out of the room. And then a week later, he comes back to the room just for Thomas, just for us. Four Gospels with bits and pieces of the same story from different vantage points. The details aren't exactly the same as if they all copied one another. They saw the same thing from different places. And together, they give a more complete picture of the events after Jesus rose from the dead. Now, apparently, somewhere along the way, the disciples decided to head back home up to the Galilee. And just as the angel said, they meet Jesus there. John ends his story this way. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened like this. Simon Peter and Thomas the twin, Nathaniel from Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were all together. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And the other said, well, we'll go with you. So they got into the boat, but all night they didn't catch a thing. Early in the next morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't recognize him, and he called out, Hey, friends, have any fish? And they answered, No. I bet they answered, No. 
You gotta wonder what they were really muttering under their breath after a night like that. And then Jesus said, well, throw your net over on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they couldn't even haul the net in because there were so many fish. It says then that the disciple that Jesus loved, who do you think is telling the story? Can you guess? The disciple that Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon heard him say, it's the Lord, he threw on his clothes and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed along in the boat, towing the net full of fish because they were only about 100 yards offshore. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on top of it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. So Simon and Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was filled with large fish, 153 of them. One of those odd little details you don't make up. It marks a, a memory, right? These are professional fishermen. They get paid by the fish, so of course they knew the number. But even with 153 fish, the net didn't get ripped. Jesus said to them, Come on, let's have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, and he took the bread, and he gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. And this was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Another meal with Jesus. You know, meals are a powerful image in the scriptures of times that life changes. There's the feast for the prodigal son. There's the, there's the meal at Passover as the Jews are rescued. In this meal, Jesus does the cooking himself and he manages the invitation list. Jesus' dinners aren't usually formal. They're come as you are. Peter jumps out of the boat. He's half naked. He's sopping wet. He's ashamed and probably afraid. But he wants to get to this meal as fast as he can. So Jesus' meals are, are not the end of the story. They're, they're actually a new beginning. People who've been following Jesus and people who come to Jesus continue their whole lives to have questions and to mess up. And they need to hear something life-changing. Just like in that short film we watched a few minutes ago, the son comes to his father around the fire. He's ashamed and he's broken, but he's met with love and forgiveness. Unforgettable phrases, I call them, that are spoken at the meals Jesus gives. Some of those unforgettable phrases get dated quickly, right? You hear one, it's hot, everybody talks about it, and then it's gone, and others endure so that everybody can finish the phrase. Let, let me give you a, a couple examples. From the Wizard of Oz, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Jack Nicholson in the movie, As Good As It Gets, says, you make me want to be a better man. Who could forget Butch Cassidy? 
Morons. I got morons on my team. My favorite is from Forrest Gump, where Forrest declares repeatedly, Mama always said, life is like a, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Unforgettable phrases. Simon Peter had been hearing Jesus walk and talk and teach for years. And in that life, I'm sure he heard unforgettable phrases. One of them right toward the beginning, I bet he never would have forgotten. Jesus is surrounded by his opponents and, 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 and there's a crippled man there and, and they challenge him and Jesus says, what do you think is easier? To say to somebody, your sins are forgiven or to heal them? But just so you know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins, get up and walk. And he got up and he walked. That's an unforgettable phrase. But I bet, burned into Peter's brain, there was a phrase that he heard Jesus only say a couple of times that he would never forget. You know what it was? Hey, boys. Catch anything? No. Well, then throw your net out on the other side. And the net starts to creak with all the fish. Peter might have remembered a lot of other phrases, but the one that filled his heart was when the creator of the universe came back from the dead and asked him a question. That's Easter. Jesus comes back from the dead. He makes a meal for the people who love him. And he asks them a question. What's, what's that question? It's different for everybody, but John says the question is this. When they'd finished eating, Jesus turned to Simon Peter and asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Well, then feed my lambs. And again, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answered, Lord, yes, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And a third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, And Simon said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. What's Jesus' big question? Back from the dead. For Peter, it was not, will you get your act together? It was not, will you do better next time? It was not, will you do great things for me? It was not even, will you be better than all the others? Three different times. Jesus asks a question that parallels Peter's denial. And his asking washes away all of that. And it gives Peter a new mission. What's that unforgettable phrase, that unforgettable question? Let me give you a, a little hint. 
John says that this happened in the presence of the disciple that Jesus loved. Remember, that's how John describes himself. He's the disciple that Jesus loved. Love seems to be the big key here. That God will literally come back from the dead as Savior and ask people, do you love me? When we realize that that we do love that kind of God, then... And maybe only then can we start learning how to love other people with that same love. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep, Jesus says. Do you love me? Then show somebody else, Jesus says. Tell somebody else that you love me. And it's different for every single one of us, wherever we are. Booker T. Washington. He was an early civil rights leader, and he was a master of the unforgettable phrase. All through his career, he told one story over and over. It was a tale from ancient days of sailors dying of thirst in the middle of the sea. On their boat, they are out of water, and they were surrounded by salt water. Well, the sailors see a ship. And they signal begging for help, but the other ship keeps going and it keeps repeating the same message, cast down your bucket. Cast down your bucket. What could that do with salt water? And the power of the story is that when they say, cast down your bucket, cast down your bucket, and the, the ship finally does, when they pull the bucket back up, it is filled with fresh water coming out of the river into the ocean. Cast down your bucket where you are. Booker T. Washington believed that renewing relationships needed to start with the people closest to you. Unforgettable, a hard thing, and yet powerful. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus stands risen from the dead in front of Peter on that first Easter, and now he stands in front of us And he asks us the same questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? And our lives change in response to being loved like that. They get filled by learning to love other people in return like that. Would you like to be loved like that today? To share that love, however imperfectly, with somebody who needs it? That is the Easter question. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died so that we might be forgiven and have life forever. But I thank you so much that that different kind of life can begin today as we hear you ask us, do you love me? We love you and we want to love you better. We want to follow you into life this Easter. You who are the God, come back from the dead to save us. We love you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.